Well, good morning. I'm so glad to have all of you guys with us today. And I would love to get going. Um, today, we actually don't have a devotion. And I think that that is okay, because I'm so excited about the conversation we're going to have today, and excited to be able to use um, all the extra time um, to focus on that conversation. But I would like to open in prayer. So uh, maybe I can ask uh, Dr. Wes Beavis, maybe if you don't mind opening us in prayer and starting off, starting us off well in that way. I'd love to. Loving Father God in heaven, thank you so much for making it possible for us to come together like this. Ministry leaders from all over the country uh, spending some precious moments together. And Father God, we just invite you into this place. We thank you that we, uh, we minister out of the overflow of your spirit and the wisdom that you give us. And Father, your intention is that we do not minister in isolation, that we minister in community. And this is a, an incredible community. And so, Lord God, we, uh, we just pray that we'd be cognizant of the, the way that you want to use this next hour to benefit us in the way we serve you and, uh, and our longevity in ministry. Father, you brought us this far. And we look forward to you leading us on to, uh, to uh, good deeds and the transformation of people's lives as we serve as pastors. And so, God, uh, we just we thank you for the Solomon Foundation. Thank you for every pastor on this call. Some of them are in a sweet season. Others are just really, uh, you know, going through... Uh, some duress. We just pray that you would use this time together to bring, uh, bring healing and hope and inspiration to all of us. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So last week we got to start off this conversation about staff and just talk about how do we lead well how do we invest in our staff? Uh, and I thought that was a really great conversation. Super thankful to a few of y'all who led that. Um, this week, I want to dig a bit deeper. I know that as someone who works in ministry and also has people that report to me, it can be a challenge sometimes to balance the ministry part of it and the true business part of it. And I can imagine that's in just as incredibly steeper for you guys. You're somebody's pastor and you're their boss. That's a hard mm. thing to, to reconcile, to, to balance hey, with I on a regular basis. Um, so I just want to dig deeper on that. I want to talk through that. We've got, um, how do we, how do we deal with staff challenges? Uh, and so I've got a couple great, leaders that I think have done this well in this recent season, and I just would love to introduce them and uh, just kick off with the, the opening question for, for how I want to start this is just tell me a bit about your current staff situation, how you structure your team, how many people report to you directly, and if you're struggling to find staff or if you have a full staff where do you find them and how do you keep them? So that's kind of the opening question I want to start with. And I can repeat it. I know that was long and full, or I can put it in the chat too. Um, and so I'd like to introduce um, 
Paul Wingfield, Matt Richardson, and Mont Mitchell, if you guys can just kick us off in, in, in leading that question. Yeah, thank you for the, <clears throat> the privilege of getting to, to share with you guys. It has been quite the season for us uh, at New Church in Winston-Salem in regards to staffing. Um, if some of you guys know kind of my, my story. Uh, I started as lead pastor on March 1st of 2020 and um, you know, learned very quickly uh, as a first-time lead pastor how difficult it is to inherit a staff. Um, there's quite a difference between hiring your own staff and inheriting a staff. And, um, you know, when I first started, uh, I really, I received a lot of wisdom and advice uh, across the spectrum from, you know, one, one side of the coin was, uh, clean house from day one. And I, I didn't really agree with that. And all the way to the other side of, uh, you know, use the tools that you've got. And so that was where I kind of leaned, uh, was towards, Hey, I'm going to play the deck of cards that's been dealt. And, um, you know, the 50,000 foot view, very quick conversation piece just to kick us off is that uh, um, I inherited a team that um, was very good at the business of the church, but had no business in leading the ministry of the church. Um, my, my first day in the office, I asked each of our staff members three questions. I asked, tell me about your personal relationship with the Lord. Tell me about your personal relationship with your family, your spouse, and define for me the gospel. That was the three questions I asked. And uh, just to get a, a plumb line of what I'm working with. And, uh, you know, I had staff members say they hadn't read scripture in six months. Um, I had two staff members, uh, one, one of which answered the question, uh, what is the gospel? Uh, two of the answers that I received, just to give you an idea of how uh, spiritually immature our team was. Um, uh, a genre of worship music. Uh, someone said the gospel is a genre of worship music. And uh, another one said that the, uh, the gospel is the first four books of the New Testament. And um, no, I, one out of six was able to give me uh, a pretty spot on answer. And so I knew that I had inherited a team that we needed a lot of, it, they needed a lot of work. And um, so I spent the first year really trying to develop this staff that I had inherited the reality was um, it became very clear that uh, the playbook that they wanted to run was drastically different than the playbook that I wanted to run and so um, it's actually the the Lord's provision in, in some of this it's been very difficult but in in a year and a half we've had to fire two staff members and we've had three uh leave um some for totally fine reasons other opportunities uh, grad school um but uh it's actually in hawaii uh that my wife and i started praying about staffing issues and um and just god bring us the team that needs to be here for five years uh and within three months um we we had a, a completely clean slate and so the cool thing for us is you know that, that that final question and i can get into the difficult pieces of you know what the mistakes i know i made and and and, and letting some of those staff members go and um just the decisions that we made in some of that but um you know it's amazing how efficient you become when you have a team that wants to be there 
And uh, that's that's really where we're at right now. Is um, it's it's fresh and it's young. Um, I'm one of the things that's been one of the most beautiful things to come out of it is that every person that we've hired has come internally. And uh, I, I believe that when you disciple the church effectively, uh, you should have staff members uh, ready to roll. And um, I, I'm a high proponent of, um, if you were to ask me to sum up our church in one word, it would be the word development. Um, we want to develop and equip people, uh, not just to, to know Jesus, but to know how to serve Jesus and to serve his church. And uh, so every position that we've had to replace has come internally, uh, which has been really cool. Uh, people that weren't in ministry before uh, that have now stepped into, most of them are part-time ministry for now, uh, but it's been very cool to see how God answered this prayer that we prayed. Uh, that uh, I said Hawaii, it was actually this Aruba trip this past year. Uh, God, we mm. need a team. And within three months, uh, two, two members had left and then another one we had to fire. Uh, so it's been quite the journey. Um, but right now we're, we're, you know, we, and we lost some families through it. Um, but, uh, gosh, just, just the efficiency, the unity, the, um, the, 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 when you have people that are bought into the mission and the vision, how efficient you become. And that's really where we are right now. So I'm very excited to be on this side of it. It's been quite the journey over the last year and a half. I've been called every name in the book. And uh, my wife actually wrote an article uh, called the ministry of being misunderstood for uh, the Christian standard uh, that just came out. And in it, she really highlights some of the struggles she's had uh, as a pastor's wife walking through it, uh, that great leaders are, are willing to be misunderstood for the benefit of the organization. And that has definitely been our case uh, over the last year and a half. Um, you know, uh, you know, Renee, when you were talking about uh, things you wish you would have done. Uh, the number one thing I wish I would have done was listen to my wife. Uh, fr from day one, she said, that person on staff is trouble. Don't, don't trust them. You need to be very careful with this person. I'm like, oh no, it'll be fine. And here we are a year and a half later. And she, she pegged it perfectly. So uh, when you have people in your life that are um, discerning of those sorts of things, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't ignore that. Don't, don't, don't just, uh, somehow sweep that under the rug. When, when you have, especially people you trust mentors, leaders, and especially your spouse saying, Hey, I have, I have concerns about that person. Uh, really lean into that. If I would have done that, uh, I, we would have been able to, uh, you know, prevent a lot of the difficulty that we faced. And, um, you know, so much of what, what was in, you know, in, in the purest heart of hearts, I wanted to work with what we had. Reconciliation is always the goal. Like we, we want to work with what we've got, but at some point you just have to call a spade a spade. And, um, for the, for the sake of the organization, the benefit of the church, we we've, uh, had to make some really hard decisions and we are in the best place we've been in since I came, uh, just in a short time since, uh, making some of those decisions. So Renee, can I ask a question? Yes. I, okay. So Matt, when you've got so many staff leaving in a short period of time, it gives the opportunity for the rest of the church to go, hang on, what's, why are all these staff people leaving? You know, uh, maybe there's something about our pastor's leadership. 
but and so it kind of introduces an element of doubt and you've got to go you know as people are going what's going on here uh did you experience that how did you go because that can that can be very a vulnerable time yeah very much so um you know, I think I think the things that that definitely happened. I think some things that we did well to uh, remedy that is just to be incredibly transparent with the church, to to be to be careful in what you share, but also uh, to be very transparent as transparent as possible to acknowledge, you know, uh, the the situations at hand. And um, for for our situation, um, the the difference in leadership style between the previous lead pastor and myself are so evident that people have been able to pick up pretty clearly on uh, just how different things are. And they can acknowledge, yeah, I could see why those staff members struggled in that environment. But the most uh, reassuring, refreshing thing for people in our church has been that our eldership has stayed united through the whole thing. And so while I'm still the new guy on the block, I've been there two and a half years. Um, our elders, all of them have been around for, for, you know, eight, 10 years. And so there is a level of trust. And so there've been many people that have said, Hey, this doesn't look right on the surface, but if you're, if the elders are, are certain, this is the way we need to move, then we a hundred percent trust you guys. And so, um, that that has been a huge piece for us is just acknowledging that a healthy eldership was step one. And uh, again, the Lord really started preparing that long before we had our issues from, from day one that I got there, I, I was able to just begin to develop and disciple uh, our, our eldership, add some new people to our, some new men to our eldership. And it just created this cohesive, unified band of brothers uh, that we've been able to weather this storm together. And so the fact that people have been able to see that has been, um, has really been the thing that we've needed. I, I don't think uh, as many people would have endured uh, all of the change without that. Matt, that so there's so much wisdom in your answer. I'm so glad I answered uh, asked that question and uh really potent the way you answered it. So thank you. Sure. Renee, mm -hmm. back to you. Mont or Paul, I said Paul's unmuted. So why don't we start with you? All right. Well, uh, so I'll, I, I wrote down all your, your questions as we, we talked and, uh, I'll go through a couple of specifics. Um, so I, I've been at white flag now for 14 years and, um, we just, probably, you know, three or four years ago, started to realize as the church was growing that, you know, I was going to have to, at some point, uh, change, you know, my role with the staff. And so we've kind of gone through that and now we're on the other side of that. So in terms of your question about, uh, direct reports and, and current staff situation and stuff. So now, you know, I'm in a situation where, uh, my XP um, reports to me, but everybody else on the staff, you know, reports to Brian, um, who, if you don't know the connection, Brian's on the call too. He's, he's in the other room and he's on the other side of that wall over there. Um, but uh, so that was a, a huge change. Um, you know, the church was pretty small when I first got here. And so, you know, every hire, you know, different from Matt, every hire, that 
uh, you know, is, is on the church I hired, you know, for years until recently now that's being done, uh, by, by Brian. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something that we're navigating. Um, I agree with, with Matt's comment about the homegrown, uh, you know, staff. I, I think we're at like 14 of our 20, we have a staff of about 20 and I think 14 of them are homegrown, uh, and the, and the rest, uh, the remaining six, you know, came from some other area and they, they didn't come from our church. So, um, you know, that's, that's where we're at there. Um, it is a constant struggle to find staff. Um, back in the day, it used to be pretty simple. You'd talk to four or five guys and find out who was a sharp person, where they went to college, um, what their current ministry is, and you were good to go. Uh, but there seems to be no longevity anywhere. Um, uh, we go through the interview process, and usually we're just dumbfounded by the quality of candidates, uh, you know, it's, you know, I won't, I don't mean this in any offensive way, so I'm not even sure who's on this call, but uh, uh, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I mean, the Bible colleges, I mean, we, we don't even look to Bible colleges anymore. Um, we, we had too many problems from that. Um, so that kind of went away. Um, we've tried the, uh, you know, hiring through the organizations that, that kind of placed candidates before you, uh, that seems to not really be efficient and effective for us. I know it works for some folks, but um, it's just, you know, it's a constant struggle. And I think that's, that's one of the lessons that I've learned uh, over the years is that this idea that you're going to get somewhere and arrive and be finished with staffing is, is just not a reality. It's always going to be a headache. It's always going to be your least favorite, you know, thing to deal with. And you're never going to get it right every time. And it's constantly a source of really major potential, you know, disaster, which adds a lot of fun to it. But, uh, but you know, in, in the midst of that, you also hire great people that are loyal and faithful and stick with you for, you know, five, eight, 10 plus years. And so there's good and there's bad in it, but uh, it's just part of the deal. Um, but it's, it is a struggle and that's where the homegrown stuff does just make it so much easier. Um, but that's just, you know, our experience right now on some of those first few questions that you had. Thanks, Paul. Matt? Um, well, thanks for this opportunity. I I um uh, I feel like I need to just really refer to Bob Smith for all of my answers because he's the smart one. I think on all of us here, he's shaking his head no, but uh, <laughs> or Clayton, he seems to know everything too. So he's shaking his head no too. I remember a bunch of years ago, Hamlin, you'll remember this. Maybe we we had a, we had some kind of an occasion to to hang out with Bob Russell. Um, uh, Dave and I, and a few other guys, I can't remember who the other guys were, but we, I asked the question, I said, Bob, you know, you got this big, massive church and what's the biggest thing you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And without even pausing, he said, staff, staffing issues. Um, and so it, it can be challenging. Um, you know, 
Christy and I started this church 25 years ago. Um, and for a lot of years, I, I'm, I was the one that kind of hired all the staff. Uh, we made a change in about 2012 because of our growth to an executive pastor um, deal. And that's been a, it's been awesome. Almost all the staff now, minus my wife, um, our executive pastor has hired. Uh, and so it's kind of a different regime to, to kind of look at. Um, something that resonated with me uh, as Matt was talking, you know, the, the staff at Westbrook are all hired staff um, from the last bunch of years. But then we merged this past year with Crossroads, which is an inherited staff. And so I've got a, a, a pretty sizable staff that's all been kind of hired with my approval, if you will, ultimately, and then a staff uh, that's all been inherited in the last year. And, and uh, so it's a little bit of challenge on both sides, Matt, uh, from, from us, you know, um, the, it, it's, been, it's been awesome. The, the staff at Crossroads has had to make just sweeping changes in, in how we lead, lead our team. Um, uh, and they've just done, they've done amazing. They've done great. We've not had any transition from, from an inherited staff over the year. Um, and I don't, I don't foresee any adjustments from that staff. Um, they've had to make a changes when it comes to how they get paid and how we do benefits and how they request money and how we operate the budget and, and all those kind of things. And they've, they've, that's just been phenomenal. Um, uh, it is, I, I can go along with what Paul was talking about. It's, it's a trial to hire staff. Um, you know, the, the pool is, is increasingly, the pond is increasingly getting more shallow and uh, um, we've hired from within and there's awesome things with that over the 25 years, but there's some challenges that come with hiring from within. You know, when you hire from without, from a Bible college or from wherever, often these people, when they transition or when you need to transition them, they move away. They, they move to a different, <laughs> different state. If you hire people from within and you have to transition them, guess what? They live like a mile and a half from the church and they still live a mile and a half from the church. And that, that can be really, really challenging. We've tried, we're, we've been searching for a, about, oh gosh, um, all, well, it'll, about 16 months for a youth pastor. And uh, we have hired the consulting company and, and uh, it's just, it's like pulling teeth, you know, and we have, we have brought, we have brought youth guys in and we have vetted them. The, the company we use vetted them and we make them an offer and they, they go elsewhere. And maybe it's, maybe it's Chicagoland. I, I don't know, but we just, we're scratching our heads on where do we find? So we, we've leaned heavier into the Bible colleges, Paul, uh, to see, see, see who we can find. Some of it is the, the theology. Some of it is they get, you know, Bible college students get mission a lot, a lot better, you know? And so we, we've, we've tried to lean back in. We, we thought we were going to hire an Ozark guy. We made a, an Ozark kid a, an offer and he decided to move to Seattle instead, you know? So uh, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not Renee. I'm not really good to answer some of these questions because it's, we're in a great season in the life of our church, 
in a lot of ways, but we're also still dealing with some fallout from COVID. You know, we, we're still only like 55, 60% back from, from COVID. And, you know, some of these churches have to borrow chairs from their children's ministry because they have so many people coming to their services and we, we can hardly beg people to come back, you know? Uh, so I don't know, like I said, I, I don't know if I'm the best. I mean, we, I, I feel like we're in a great, a great season, a great spot. It's been a, a lot going on, but it's, it's not, it's not been easy. You know, it, it's not been easy and it still doesn't continue to be easy. We're, we're, we're still dealing with some of the, 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 the 2020 election things in our, in our case. I, if you guys have not read or listened to Andy Stanley's book entitled Not In It to Win It, you need to get it like while you're on this call right now and start listening to it or reading it. It's, a, it's, it's awesome. Um, so I don't know if I answered some of your questions, Renee, or not. I, I think I did, but I mean, it's, 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 it's fun. You talk about direct reports because if we have an XP system. Um, the Caleb, our XP reports to me, CFO, Yesi reports to me through Caleb. And then we have a couple other, what we call congregational pastors or campus pastors, Jake and Lalo, those guys are, would be direct reports to me. Um, but that's, that's been a blessing for the XP role, you know, to have somebody in that, in that spot to handle the rest of them. So. Mont, you're perfect for this. And I'll tell you the main reason why is because you're honest and yeah. you share all three of you have done that. And that's what I love so much about these calls every week is that you guys just by showing up and having a conversation that's real, this is me, this is my experience, this is where I am, this is what I've been through. You guys really resource each other and encourage each other. And I'm just thankful that um, people show up and that you guys are willing to share from the heart and share from your real life experiences. And I think it just is God honoring and it grows the church in a big way. So yes, you guys are all perfect mm -hmm. to be able to speak on all the things. And I just really appreciate you. Um, okay. I think that that was a great start. And I have two more questions where we're going to dive deeper into like insubordinates. How do we deal with troubled staff? But before I go there, does anybody have any questions that they want to ask about I know that there's been some talk about XPs and structure and maybe, you know, for example, Paul didn't have an XP and recently he's, you know, brought one in or done some changes to structure people under XPs. I, I know that as your church grows or your staff grows and changes, there's the, just the structure of staffing Is there or where we get staffing. Is there anybody that has questions about that or comments about that before we kind of move away from that topic? Hmm. Renee, this is Bob Smith. I'm just wondering, um, for some of the churches that are on here, whether they have begun to right-size their staff to the new size of their church. Mont, you know, you know, 50 to 55%. Uh, I think we all carried our staff for the last two years uh, through COVID with uh, PPP money and employee retention credit, all these different federal assistance that we have. But uh, we're at the point that we staffed prior to COVID for about 9,000 and we're at six on a really good day. So uh, that, and you, you start doing the math, that's anywhere between 25 and 30 staff that need to leave in order to right size the budget. 
I'll, I'll jump in there, Bob, on this, on this question. That's a great question. Uh, we actually, we actually have had some staff, some staff adjustment or some staff leaving most of them for, for, for good reasons, but we have not rehired them. You know, we, we don't have as, um, from an, from an admin perspective, ministry assistance perspective, we, we've not hired some areas. We, you know, we had some database people, a database, a gal that did our database for us. We didn't rehire that. Um, we had, um, uh, uh, a graphic arts person that was part-time. We didn't rehire there. We, we tapped into kind of a, a production person to, to do that kind of stuff. And a lot of that is not, it's not so much finances. I mean, it, it was kind of in our budget, but it just didn't make sense. COVID, COVID caused some people to lose their job, not because of a financial perspective, but just we didn't need it anymore. You know, and so we've not rehired some of those areas and we're not going to rehire some of those areas. Um, uh, and then with the, with the merging of our, of our congregations with Westbrook Crossroads, Cynthia Onita now, we, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of tapping that person over there to do something that we need here. Um, it just makes more sense rather than hire, hiring somebody. Um, so that's, you've, you've asked a really great question. And we've actually, since COVID, yes, we're not all back. And so our numbers aren't the same, but since COVID, as people kind of COVID caused them to, to just get their jobs, just not necessary anymore. We've not rehired and we're not going to, we're not going to furthermore, you know, we've got some financial constraints with, with, with picking up crossroads. And, and so we're just, we're just really watching our budget numbers now just because we're committed to, to making that payment. So it's, so we're, we're not, we're not picking up the staff in the same way. So. Renee, I have a question. Um, I think some guys on here may be thinking along the lines I am. Some of this, you guys are talking XPs and so forth. That's a various church size to get there. Several of us probably in this church on this call are between 200 to 500 in attendance. So what is some recommendation of what you think your staff should look at at some of those um, smaller to mid-sized church sizes versus the churches that are 1,000 above? I can kind of chime in on that, um, at least what we're doing. We're uh, before COVID, um, we were about 300, and then we opened our building and we got into the 500s with some of these staff troubles uh, changes. We've been down in about the in the 400s, but we've made a decision uh, to change up our staffing structure a bit. Um, one of the one of the guys that we fired was our worship pastor, and thankfully, uh, we've been able to raise up a guy who has a full-time job and, and he said, I can do this part-time. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're going to be paying him part-time to do it. And um, we've, we've moved a couple of roles from full-time to part-time and we're going to hire an XP as well. So if anybody, if you know anybody looking, uh, that's the one position that I don't think we're going to be able to find internally. And um, that, that title XP can mean so many different things. Um, I've, I've been talking with Mike Nave a little bit at, uh, accelerate group about this. And he recommended a book called rocket fuel to me. Uh, so I would encourage you to look at this. It's it, the book is amazing. It's not a faith-based book. It's a leadership book about how a CEO can best find a CFO or a COO, uh, and really how specific those roles are, uh, based on how you are wired. And it's just been so eye-opening for me to, you can't just take a, 
uh, a basic template XP role and say, let's go find that person. It has to be completely uh, specifically and uniquely uh, built around you as the lead pastor. And so for me, uh, that, that really is through coaching. Uh, I've been able to determine what it is that I need. And so really for, for us, the, it starts with me first, figuring out what I need that would best complement me. And then once we figure that out, we can start looking to fill that role. Uh, so we've got the list now. Uh, it's just trying to find somebody that matches that. But I think, you know, you know, I'm 33, uh, grown up in, in many mega churches. And for me, I think the assumption was always that you can't hire an XP until you get into the couple thousands uh, or so. And, and now leading a church, Renee said this at the very beginning, and, and to me, this is indicative of the struggle that I've faced, is that it's so difficult to wear the hat of pastor and boss. And so um, as I've been learning about myself, I'm really good at wearing the pastor hat, and I'm, I've, it's been a learning curve to wear the boss hat. And I think a lot of guys that are shepherds and just ministry-minded uh, pastors struggle with the boss hat. And so for us, that's, that's a big piece of what I need is someone to come in and run the systems and the mechanics of the church so that I can be freed up to pastor and, and pastor our team well. So just a, a good resource for you guys, Rocket Fuel uh, as a book and, and maybe a starting point just to look at yourself first as you think about that role. Who else do you have on your staff? You mentioned the part-time worship guy and what other roles you carry. Yep. So we are part-time worship, part-time students. Um, I have a part-time business administrator and part-time children's. So we're running about 400 people. Right now, I'm the only full-time staff uh, with four part-time staff. Mm -hmm. I'll jump in, Brian, and say I would hire. It's all about the relationship. And as far as I'm concerned, we we hired, uh, went to full-time XP when we were at about 800. And if I had to do it over again, I'd have done it at about six in our scenario. Um, but part of it is your skills. I, my degrees in business administration and marketing. And so I had some skill sets that fit administrative and running things, maybe more so than some guys. So I did it for a while, but it just got to the point I couldn't. But the guy I hired was already part of our team. He, he had married a girl that was in my youth group way back when. And so there was already a relationship there uh, that we were kind of on the same page and thought a lot the same. And so uh, I think that's a key to it. But my thought would be do it sooner than later, especially if you don't have uh, those kind of administrative, uh, finance, hire, you know, staffing, all those kind of skills already in place yourself, uh, the quicker you can get someone to take it off your plate and the worry of it, uh, is great, but it is the new world. And, you know, so I'm a little bit there. I'm here in Montauk about 55% and we're like, we started off when we came back at 75%. So I, I don't know how to relate to you guys. Sorry. Uh, I, I feel bad for you. I think the ultimate responsibility when you're trying to think through a, an executive pastor, and I, I, I would often in the past give advice at least between 750 and 1,000 start considering that. But um, one of the things that I hear pastors saying quite a bit with the idea of hiring XP is like, I need to hire someone who can do the things that I'm not good at. 
I think that there has to be a real balance here that you, the pastors really need to have a, uh, an understanding of the business sense and the, in the acronym to some degree, not to the point where they're going to be doing building spreadsheets and doing, you know, financials and things like that, but to be able to understand what you're reading and not just have to be explained to it. So the, the XP role is really, it's a central service role in our context and every central service role that we hire has to be a ministry accelerator. It has to usually free somebody up from doing some sort of administrative or routine task so they can be working with people, that they can be out in the community. I, I have this argument fairly often that our community, our small group of people, like there's some people, they want them to have office hours. I'm saying like, that's ridiculous. Like they belong in the coffee shops or student pastors. First of all, they make a mess when they're in the office. So let them work outside, going to the high schools and hanging out after school, going to the games, building relationships. All these requirements for officing and all these different sort of things. So that these these are respond there are responsibilities that they have that we can take from them so they can be in ministry working one-on-one. -on -one. So I think that's the role of an XP is how to figure out to accelerate kingdom growth and kingdom mindedness by releasing people to do ministry that they actually want to do, not making, you know, checking their um, their staff's payroll or paying bills or expense reports, all that sort of stuff. Send them out to the community. That's their job. That's great. That's really one great. Oh, go ahead. One of the things I thought about, uh, Renee, is for those of you who are thinking of hiring people from within, you might want to be sure that the people that you add to your staff who are from the church that they are really uh, Bible students and that they have a solid theological foundation, doctrinal foundation that may not seem like it's important when you're looking to fill a role and uh, you're only concerned about whether somebody has the methodology to be able to get the job done. But uh, the, the biblical underpinning, the theological underpinning, doctrinal underpinning, those things are really important for content ministry and uh, so it's more than just organizing programs and, and uh, raising resources and building a team. Uh, it's more than methodology. There, there needs to be theology. Also, if you, if you hire an XP, I would uh, make sure if you have him pastoring your staff or pastoring the pastors in, on your team, that he is somebody who is, is pastoral and not weighted on the business side. Because uh, many times I think churches have been derailed in spirit because there's been more of a corporate mentality, more of a big business mentality on the part of uh, our, the executive pastor. So make sure he's heavy on the, uh, the pastor side as well as the executive uh, side. And um, in ministry in the 21st century church, I think you've got to think about whether not only a person that you add to your staff can do a job, but whether they can build a team around their, their responsibilities. Uh, developing a team will keep you from having, I think, to, to do as much staff hiring. If you can really empower and equip 
your volunteers, and uh, you got somebody that's a team builder, he can produce people who can who can discharge responsibility really effectively in the local church. Hey, yeah, if I can just double down on Ken there, uh, the number one thing I see small to mid-sized churches doing that's a mistake is hiring a doer in that number two seat. You don't need somebody who can do a lot of things for you. You need somebody who can lead people to do things. They can do ministry through people. And if you're hiring from within, look for somebody who's already found a way to lead people. Because if it's somebody that truly has a leadership gift, they're already doing it somewhere. So if it's somebody that's connected to your church, look for those people and position them to be a leader and not a doer. And it's the fastest way to accelerate growth in your volunteer teams, and your ministries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great thing, Jimmy, uh, relative to that. Two things to, to consider if, if you're kind of pondering going to the executive pastor role is, you know, we, we read leading from the second chair back in the day when, when we did this and it was, um, we were, we were running around a thousand, I guess, um, when we went to this role. Um, and they, they, they said, just be prepared. Just be prepared for your current team to struggle with having to go through somebody else. And that was very much the case for us. We, we had a little bit of transition with people just because they were, you know, they were so used to getting what they wanted from me. They would bring in a pepperoni pizza or some grape soda. And I would say, yes to whatever they ask, you know, and, and uh, now they have to go through this other person who's probably going to say no. And so be, be, be prepared um, for that. Uh, and so I, I think you, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. When we went to, when, when our first executive pastor moved away, we, we were looking to who we're going to hire next. We actually hired our, our student pastor who had already proven himself as a leader of not only teams, but also of, of, of volunteers. So we, you know, our, our youth guy had gotten his MBA from Johnson and he was, he, he had already proven himself. And so it was an easy kind of transition for him to take over in that role because, because our people knew him, our, our staff knew him and he'd already proven his leadership ability. So I think Jimmy hit the nail on the head on that one. Mm -hmm. Fabulous input. Thank you guys all so much for participating. I love it. I have one more question I want to dive into here, and that is how do you handle a staff that's insubordinate or that you're having issues with? And if it, if or when it comes time to letting staff go, what steps do you take? And I'd like to start with Paul, if we could. Sure. Um, well, I, you know, this is a, a season for us uh, here at White Flag. We've had, uh, you know, just a, a remarkable couple of uh, years. You know, we, we launched into uh, expanding and, and building an entire new building in the middle of COVID. And God has been just, you know, so good to us through that. And we did not see a downturn uh, from COVID. Uh, we saw, you know, almost an upturn. Um, and, uh, I, I remember thinking, and I think I was at Spire last year and I came out of a session where everybody, all the sessions were kind of like, just everybody had been so overwhelmed. And I, and I walked out and I, I said, I ran to an old friend and I said, um, yeah, man, that, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not connecting with this cause we're just not experiencing this. And uh, little did I know, you know, that uh, 
when we would get back from that trip, we would have to, you know, we would be firing a, uh, a, a worship pastor that would then take us on a journey that uh, was just, uh, you know, just bizarre and crazy and terrible and all those uh, adjectives. And um, so it wasn't COVID that, that like put, put us in a really bad spot. It was, it was a staffing issue. And, you know, I, I regretted saying that to my friend, like it, like, you know, it was like I jinxed myself or something, but, uh, but what we had had to deal with was uh, for the first time, I mean, I, I, I've been a pastor, you know, for 28 years, only a lead guy for, you know, 14. And I think I have fired one person in 14 years uh, and, you know, uh, didn't have a lot of experience or, you know, need to do that. But um, this was a situation where um, Brian, who's, who's on the call, uh, actually had to deal with something and um, it just uh, we had a typical insubordinate person that wouldn't take coaching and and then became actively um, I don't know which I mean just actively aggressive and accusatory of all kinds of things and then uh, when he was fired I mean within 30 seconds uh emails were going out and texts were going out. And this was something that he was actually working on and planning and uh, wanted to get fired and wanted to have, you know, wanted to burn the place down on his way out. And so, uh, you know, here we felt so good about how God had protected us through COVID. And the next thing we knew um, we were having families just leave left and right uh, over the stories that were being generated by this worship pastor. And, uh, I mean, it was just absolutely insane. And so, uh, we got to a situation where we had to, you know, learn real quickly, uh, how to deal, you know, with, with this type of employee. And I, I don't know if it's common, more common other places where you've got people that just want to fight and cause a problem, but we had never experienced that. And um, I remember thinking, well, what they're saying is untrue. Uh, everything that Brian did was really well documented in terms of making sure that this, this was clearly like we wanted to coach this guy. We wanted to help them. We wanted to, you know, we wanted to find a way to make it work. And so, you know, all of our bases were covered. We handled everything with grace. We handled everything we could with generosity and when it started to go south, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, well, there's this truth to this story and it's all going to work out. <laughs> and, and that was not the case. I mean, it just kept snowballing, uh, even to the fact it got to the point where uh, this guy had been recording all of uh, the office for six months before he got fired and, and then started releasing edited tapes of private conversations with pastors and, you know, trying to just burn the place down. Now, luckily uh, there wasn't anything that, that he could record that, that was, you know, true. Or, I mean, when I say true, he had edited some clips, but I'm saying there were, there was nothing on the tapes that, that actually helped his case in any way. This guy was just kind of off his rocker for a while, but um 
we learn so much through that. I know that's a long little bit of a background, but what 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 we learned through all of that is uh, you better have in today's world you you better have a team, some advisors, lawyers, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, some kind of an emergency response team uh, in place, ready to go, uh, or or you're going to get in trouble. Uh, as a church leader these days. I mean, back in the day, you know, uh, as a pastor, my dad had to put a fire out with a family. He'd go, he'd go talk to them at their house and do a personal, you know, call. And those people weren't going to talk to anyone else until Sunday. And you had a whole week to solve a problem. And, you know, the, the world we live in today, 30 seconds after somebody gets fired, um, everybody in the church is going to know and this story a narrative is going to start to get painted and you put on top of that um our culture is very uh against the people who lead organizations just by like default Mm -hmm. uh people are really interested in listening to the whistleblowers and taking everything they say uh, as truth, and then you know, and and then people in your church don't—they won't come and talk to you. They won't ask you questions, and so you know, you can think it's going to all work itself out. But with the way that people are on edge today, and with the way social media works, and with the way people have learned uh, to watch. Hey, I, I can either deal with my deficiencies or the fact that I made a bad decision or the fact that I got fired. I can get help or I can just blame somebody else. And there's going to be a whole crowd of people that will support me and champion me. Uh, that, that's the route they're going to take. And so uh, there's a lot more to that story. But um, I think we learned you, you better have a team together. You better not assume everything's going to work itself out, even if you can prove you're innocent. It does, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, and we also learned that when that goes south, it affects the whole staff, not just, you know, the XP that did the firing or the pastor or the elders. It affects the whole staff. And in our situation, it was so traumatic Um you know, I, I brought in, and I highly recommend this, I, I brought in Dr. West just to download and talk with our staff after a disruptive employee tried to burn the place down on his way out, and that was invaluable for our staff. So if you ever get yourself in a situation where a staff person is fired and causes problems, I mean, it's it's worth every every penny of investment to have Dr. West uh, come and talk to your staff. But anyway, that's all over the board, but uh, some stuff to throw out there for discussion. I really I can't, I can't, go ahead, Mont. Well, I'm just going to piggyback on that a little. I, I can't state enough the need for employee handbooks, um, clear expectations, uh, performance plans, notating everything, having backup copies of everything. Um, you know, we have our, we, we make a, you know, little tweaks and adjustments to our employee guide every handbook every year. We make, we make them sign it and, and, and give us the, the, the piece that they sign. 
And if they, if they sign it and they've not read it, then that's on them, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so we're, we're pretty clear on, pretty clear on that and making sure they understand. So I think, I think Paul's hit it, hit it good there. One of the things that, uh, you know, in our situation, um, it was actually a, a, the worship pastor as well, who just, just steamrolled me, uh, stories and accusations. We sold a piece of property and, uh, I was getting phone calls accusing me of stealing funds from the sale of the property. There was a, a person that accused me of hiding a sexual abuse scandal in our church. I mean, just, just ridiculous narratives. And, um, you know, like what Paul, Paul, you just said so many good, uh, things that are so true. Uh, um, one of the things that, that I found was, you know, if you try to defend yourself, uh, that gets you nowhere, but if you just allow it to just run the course, what, what's happened in our situation is, is that the narrative, the narrative gets so ridiculous and out of hand that uh, it just becomes to the point where people are like, that's, that's ridiculous uh, because they want people to listen to them. And when people aren't listening to, um, you know, their story at that time, they have two choices. They're either going to stop or they're going to make the story uh, even more juicy. And um, you know, just, just uh, um, our worship pastors last Sunday, we had 16 people, uh, that all showed up and sat in the front row in support of this person that had been fired. And they talked through my whole sermon. They mocked me while I was preaching. And the best part of it was, is that 400 people in the auditorium watched it happen. Mm -hmm. And I preached through it, didn't acknowledge it. It was the hardest thing. And everybody came up afterwards and said, we don't need to know anything more. We saw, we saw everything we need to see. And so Usually those people will eventually shoot themselves in the foot if you just give it enough time. But if you try to defend or argue, it just creates a, a fight that's just not necessary. Um, I will say for the smaller churches that will run into this, um, again, obviously when you're a large church, you have more staff, but small churches are not immune to this. If, if anything, I think it's even harder in small churches sometimes because everybody knows everyone and everybody knows everybody's business. Um uh, you know, uh, one thing that, that I wish Bible colleges did a better job of is that, um, you know, preparing us to know how to have hard conversations with staff members and even some business training. I didn't get any of that. I learned a whole lot about the Bible. I didn't learn much about how to run a business. Uh, and so one of the things we did, uh, with this worship pastor is we knew he was going to lawyer up, uh, and he did. Um, but we hired a, I didn't even know this was a thing. Uh, we hired an HR firm locally that works with small to mid-sized businesses to offer freelance HR services. Uh, so she uh, she ran the whole thing. Uh, it was about 150 bucks an hour. Uh, so it, it was the best decision because she got to be the bad guy. Um, she got to be the one that was making sure that he signed all the documentation. She wrote all of the uh, settlement agreements, those sorts of things. And then she will follow up with him once a month through the remainder of his time of severance so that we can be completely disconnected. Um, it was the best investment we've made. Um, I, we had to fire a, a staff person a year and a half ago, and we didn't do that. And we just dealt with all of the fire ourselves. And it could have been completely avoided if we would have hired somebody who knew what they were doing. Um, and knowing you don't have to have someone on your payroll that can do that. You can go outsource. It was, was huge for us. 
Matt, Paul, and Brian, all three of you guys have something that's the it factor when it comes to dealing with these kinds of internal issues with staff. And that is you all have an instinctive, uh, optimistic outlook and positive countenance and ability to be objective and to exercise your faith as a leader, as a point man leader, as a lead pastor. And uh, the reason why you came out of those situations in, in a good place is because of that that particular dimension of your leadership gifting. And uh, I, I want all the guys to see that as you talked about it, Matt, as Brian talked about it, as Ma talked about these things, you all had, uh, you all had smiles of confidence and reassurance. And I know it wasn't always like that probably every moment, but when you're up front and you're leading and you preach through hecklers on the front row and you, you keep pointing people to the higher narrative of scripture and to the lordship of jesus you're you're gonna you're gonna gain ground you're not gonna lose points as a leader you're gonna gain gain points your stock will go up yeah and i you know the lord the lord is uh obviously he's in the fire with you through it and uh i think one of the most amazing things that came out of it for me was my confidence in my call to be at new church increased all the more through the difficulty um in my flesh i would have i wanted to walk away so many times but it like the lord just continued to make it so clear whether through other people or just scripture the spirit my wife just dreams like just over and over and over again stay firm right where you're at and so uh that that in itself was uh, a grounding factor for me to know that if the Lord is in this, he's going to see us through it. And as hard as it is, um, if the Lord is in this, he has better days ahead for our church. We just need to be faithful to what he's called us to. And, and, and so oftentimes we want to, we want to just bail ship when, when the temperature gets turned up and all the while he's just preparing something even better for us. And, and so that's what I'm, and, and we're still in the, the early days of this. I'm, I'm praying for great things to come, but, uh, but so far we've rebounded really well from it. And I just attribute so much to that, to the Lord, just giving me a peace that surpasses understanding and a confidence that, that better is coming. Yeah, I'll throw out real quick too, Renee, I'm sure you're trying to wrap this call up, but just since we talked about adding an XP role and hiring somebody, um, I think it it's relevant to this part of the conversation that, one of one of my key roles during that time and and the next time it happens, uh, unfortunately, is to be really like the offensive lineman that keeps the quarterback in the pocket, ready to throw the pass downfield. And I, you, if you're going to hire an XP, make sure that you're hiring somebody who knows how to do all the things that was talked about, but is also going to be ready, willing, and able to to protect you in these kinds of seasons to whether everything from defend to just keep the noise away to make sure that you can be in the pulpit every week preaching that, um, you know, I mean, the story of hecklers on the front row, you shouldn't have to address that from the stage. I should be addressing it from the front row because they should be sitting amongst me. I should be, you know, I'll be sitting in the middle of those 16 people. If we even let them in, if they even got that far, you know, that, that kind of role, um, and I think that's something to be for all you on the call who were 
really interested in what you might be hiring in an XP, that's one of the things I'll throw out there. Somebody who's going to protect you nonstop. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brian. And thanks to everybody that participated in the conversation. I know we've gone over, but I, I hope that you walk away today knowing that you're not alone, knowing that you are resourced here, that these are our friends that care about you, brothers and sisters in Christ that you can count on. So if you heard something or, you know, keep that close to your heart and in your pocket today, you know, great chunks of wisdom, but also remember if, if down the road or even today you're in this situation and you're like, Hey, I, I would really love to talk to Matt or Mont or Paul or Brian or anybody on this call today know that you can reach out to them if you don't have their contact information i do and i i make it my passion and my job to resource you guys and to connect you guys uh, because i feel like we're better together that way so thanks for making the effort to be here thanks for being transparent and letting god use your story Uh, Mm -hmm. and i i think that there is incredible honor and power in that so thank you i love you i'm gonna just pray for you really quick and we're going to go. Father God, we love you. We seek to honor you. We seek to grow your church. Um, We live in a broken world and we just ask that you um, give us your wisdom, that you create a hedge of protection around the leaders of the church and the church itself. Uh, And we just are so thankful to get to do your will and grow your church and honor you uh, in big ways. Thank you so much for everyone on this call. Uh, Help to continue to make them great leaders of their staff. In your heavenly father's name, amen.